Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Well, we now bring you today's episode of The Fat Man. This one was from September the 9th of 1946, and the title is The Crooked Horse. Weight 237 pounds. Fortune Danger. The Fat Man. The American Broadcasting Company brings you the adventures of Dashiell Hammett's fascinating and exciting character, The Fat Man, a fast-moving criminologist who tips the scales at 237 pounds. Tonight's adventure, The Crooked Horse. And now, here's The Fat Man. You know, if a young man told me he wanted to be a detective and asked my advice, I think the most important thing I could tell him would be this. The life of a real detective is made up of silk dressing gowns, briar pipes, and intricate clues any more than the life of a real soldier is made up of pretty uniforms, parades, and bugle calls. They're both tough, hard businesses. And no matter what the sweetness and light boys say, it just isn't a fact that every criminal has a yellow streak down his back any more than it was true that every enemy soldier was a coward at heart. Sure, there are yellow crooks, but not all of them, because it stands to reason that a job of violence simply won't appeal to a man who scares easily. And believe me, whether you like it or not, it's a more mighty important thing to know when you're dealing with a murderer. The girl wasn't beautiful, but there was a straightforwardness about her that spelled brains. There wasn't any coyness or fear in her voice. She looked me straight in the eye. I liked her. She tossed her perky little hat on my desk and tapped a cigarette on the back of her hand. I hear a murder in room 610 of the Parker Hotel at 2.30 this morning. Now, this isn't the police station, Miss, uh... Father. The police wouldn't be interested, Mr. Runyon. Why not? Because the body of the dead man is gone. The hotel doesn't think there was a murder. 
In fact, the night clerk says there wasn't anybody registered in room 610. So what's your interest in the matter? Well, what would you do if you heard somebody in the next room to yours murdered? Heard a door slam. Heard running footsteps go down the hall. And when you looked through the keyhole, saw a dead man staring at you. I'd either go back to sleep and see if I couldn't have a nicer dream, or I'd go downstairs and tell a hotel clerk. It wasn't a dream, and I went down to see the clerk. He looked at the register, and there was nobody listed in room 610. We went upstairs. The room was empty. Did it look as if it had been occupied? No. That's why I came to you. Something very peculiar happened in that room last night, and I'm sure a man was killed. You said you heard this murder. What do you mean? Did something wake you up? No. I was in bed reading when I heard a knock on the door of the room next to mine. The door opened, I heard a man's voice say, A thousand and one pardons, but have you the time? Another man's voice answered, But of course, the time is now. Well, that doesn't make much sense. You're sure you heard that? Yes. It sounded so strange that I continued listening closely. I heard footsteps in the room, and then there was a slight pause. Suddenly, the second voice said, White? There was another pause, and the first man answered, Black. And then I heard an exclamation of surprise or anger. From uh, black or white? I, I couldn't tell. Almost immediately, I heard a soft, popping noise as if someone had set off a very weak firecracker. Then I heard a groan of pain and the slam of a door. Footsteps ran down the hall quickly. By the time I opened my door, the hall was empty. You know the way. Did you get a good look at the man's face through the keyhole? Yes. It was directly in front of the keyhole. He was sitting in a chair facing the door. His body had slumped back, but his head was hanging to one side. His eyes were wide open. Light staring. was on in the room. Yes, but it was off when I came back with the clerk. And there wasn't anything in the room that looked suspicious? Nothing. What do you make of it, Mr. Runyon? <laughs> I think the hotel people are probably right. I think you had a very realistic nightmare. I tell you, it wasn't a nightmare. I'm positive of it. Why so positive? Because this morning I stopped at the hotel desk and looked in the box of room 610. If that room had been unoccupied, there would have been a key there. The box was empty, Mr. Runyon. the clerk who was on duty at the desk here last night. Where can I find him? Well, I was on duty last night. What's wrong? That's what I want you to tell me. I don't understand. Can we talk where it's a little more private? Oh, yes, I guess so. Uh, just let me... Well, sir. I have a bit of a problem and perhaps you can help me. Oh, yes, sir. Just a second, please. Okay. What is it, sir? I uh, suppose you think I'm silly, but you see, I am a very light sleeper. The slightest noise awakens me, and uh, I have great difficulty in getting back to sleep. Now, uh, I'm a very busy man, and most certainly I need my rest. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I am already registered here in the hotel. Uh, Walker is my name. Oh, yes, sir. My room is directly on the street, and it is quite uh, noisy. I was wondering if I might not have another room. Uh, perhaps uh, one on the back. Uh, near the corridor? Well, I don't know, sir. I'll Perhaps see. room 610. I noticed it as I came out this morning. 
It seems to be in a uh, position where it would be uh, quieter than uh, one of the others. Room 610. Well, uh, I don't know, sir. Just a second. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but room 610 is reserved. Reserved? Yes, sir. I'm afraid there are no other vacancies on that floor. Perhaps in some other But floor. perhaps I could uh, have the room just for the afternoon. I really feel that I could rest there. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, but that's quite out of the question. I see. Well, thank you. Sorry, sir. A popular room, isn't it? Beg your pardon, sir? Room 610. Isn't that the room the young lady thought she heard a murder in last night? Afraid I don't follow you. Didn't you say you were on duty here last night? That's right. Were you the only clerk? Of course. Didn't a girl registered in room 608 come down about 2 o'clock this morning? Tell you she's heard a murder committed in room 610, room next to hers. Didn't you both go back and find a room empty? <laughs> no, I don't understand. I didn't see any girl early this morning. What's more, I didn't leave the desk all night. <laughs> I don't know. 
Something isn't adding up, sweetheart. What do you mean? I mean, the night clerk told me he didn't see you last night. And he didn't come up here to the room next door. What? But, well, that's ridiculous. Of course he did. He's lying. Are you sure he's the one who's lying? Of course. Wait a minute. You don't think that I'm lying? Yeah, sweetheart. But I'm not, I tell you. Why should I lie about that? That's what I'd like to find out. I don't understand. Why on earth would that curse lie to you? A little early in the day for martinis, isn't it? What are you talking about? This cocktail glass. You know, a cocktail glass with water on it makes a swell dictaphone if you press the glass against the wall, put your ear to the stem. What do you mean? I mean that you didn't accidentally hear anything in room 610 last night. You did hear something. You were using this glass and you were listening. Why? But I tell you Look, that... Look, sweetheart. I just knocked a bowl of flowers over in that room and you didn't even hear that. You were in just... Just in room 610? Yes. Somebody stuck a key in the door just before the flowers went over. It couldn't have been you, could it? Why, no. What did you find in the room? Nothing. What did you think I might find? I, I don't. Now, come clean. If you want my help, you've got to tell me the truth. What's it all about? Why were you listening against the wall last night? I, I can't tell you that. Okay, honey. It's been nice knowing you. Oh, no, wait. Please, I... I need your help. Well, then talk. And talk straight. All right. I guess there isn't anything else for me to do. Promise me, though. Please give me your word that you'll keep secret what I'm going to tell you. It's very important. More important than you know. Okay. I'm a United States secret agent. Can you prove it? Oh, of course not. At least not here. Obviously, I can't carry identification. When I'm on a mission, I'm completely on my own. Funds are deposited in a certain bank for me, and I use them in any manner I see fit to achieve my ends. This morning, I saw fit to hire you because I need help. The peculiar occurrences in the next room are, of course, part of the job you're working on. Of course. Hmm. It's a swell story. It's a true one. Mr. Runyon, I really need your help. Won't you please believe me? Uh, maybe I'm a sap. Okay. I'll play blind. What's the setup? Well... The man who was murdered last night is an important foreign agent. He arrived from Europe yesterday and came to this hotel. I followed him and got this room next to his. Now, there's another agent of the same government already operating in this country, but we don't know who he is. Some time ago, we discovered that he had come into possession of a very valuable secret paper, a formula which our government alone had. The man in the next room was to contact this unknown agent and then return to Europe. And your job was to stop him? Yes. When the door opened last night and I heard the strange password, I thought, of course, that the unknown agent had arrived. But it wasn't the right man. No. Whoever entered that room last night was obviously trying to impersonate the real agent. When he failed to give the correct countersign to the second password, the man in the next room must have reached for a gun and the imposter was forced to kill him. Have you any idea who the murderer might be? Well, he's probably an agent for some other foreign power who had even more information than we did. We seen you one of the passwords, which is more than I knew. It's possible that the contact had already been made without your knowledge, and the murdered man had the paper. 
I don't see how the contact could have been made without my knowledge. Well, that would have been easy. The secret paper could have been hidden in the room waiting for the man from Europe. I don't think that happened, though. Why not? Because I think I saw the murderer down in the lobby a little while ago. He said his name was Walker. He was anxious to rent room 610. He said he was registered in the hotel. Then the paper must still be in the room. I went over it pretty carefully and didn't find anything. That's why I don't think it was hidden there. I think the other agent, the one who was supposed to contact the man from Europe, still has it. I think he found the body and guessed what had happened. Maybe he didn't know whether the dead man was his agent or somebody his agent had killed. At any rate, he knew he had to get rid of the body. But how? Where? Now, listen to me. Yes. You stay here with your wine glass. Keep your ear around the next room. Well, where are you going? Down to the lobby. I want to find out which room this fellow Walker is registered in. But, but the body. You said you knew that... I said, I think I know. It would be easy if the real agent happened to be the right person. The right person? What do you mean? I mean the night clerk. Can I help you, sir? Yeah. I'm looking for a fellow who works here as night clerk. Mr. Evans. Yeah, that's the fellow. Is he around here now? Why, he went off duty a little while ago. He was on all night, so I imagine he's asleep in his room. What room does he have? He's in 1003. Thanks. Not at all. Oh, by the way, I believe there's an old friend of mine here in the hotel. His name is Walker. I wonder if you could tell me what room he's in, too. Certainly, sir. Just a second. Walker. Walker, I don't seem to... Oh, yes. This must be your friend. Henry Walker? Yeah, that's the one. Well, I'm afraid you're too late, sir. Mr. Walker checked out of the hotel about half an hour ago. Walker's gone. Checked out. Gone? Then he did find the paper. I don't think so. But why would he leave, then? I think he was worried about the missing body. When he realized the murder hadn't been discovered, he came down and tried to rent the room where the body had been. The told the room was vacant, but was reserved. What would you do in a case like that? You mean he guessed that the night clerk must be the unknown agent? Exactly. And he must have realized that the clerk would suspect him for trying to get the room. So he checked out and moved to a safer place. But I think he'll be back, either to see the clerk or to look that room over again. Where is the clerk now? He's asleep in his room. Do you hear anything next door? No, no, nothing. But but if the clerk is the other agent, we ought to... He'll keep. Right now, I want to look the murder room over again. See if I can find the missing body. That's the chair the dead man was sitting in when I looked through the keyhole. Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? I'm going to try and figure something out. After you heard the muffled popping sound, which must have been a gun with a silencer, you heard the door slam. Then you heard running footsteps going away, right? Yes. And by the time I opened my door, the corridor was empty. This door was locked. It was about 15 minutes later that the clerk and I came back up here. So if the clerk happened to be on his way up here when you were going down, he could have passed you in the elevator. Then 
He discovered the body. Exactly. A dead man is hard to move. It didn't take the clerk long to hide the body, so it must be near here. Maybe the room across the hall. Let's take a look. Nobody there. Yeah. The clerk's probably got it, or it's still hidden somewhere in the murder room. What are you doing? I'm going to cover this dead man up again. The chances are the body won't be discovered now for another 12 or more hours. I want you to go back to your room and keep watching the room where this fellow was killed. What are you going to do? I think it's time I had a talk with the night clerk. Oh. in front of the clerk's room and listened. No sound came from inside. Nothing happened. I slipped my hand inside my coat, pulled my gun from the shoulder holster. Then I tried the door. It wasn't locked. The room was dark because the shades were pulled down, but it wasn't dark enough to hide the figure of a man crawling grotesquely on the bed, his head hanging limply toward the floor. I groped for the light switch. It was Evan, the third. One of his hands clutched the rumpled sheet. The other was folded beneath him. A bright trail of blood slid down the side of the bed and formed a dark pool on the floor. I closed the door with my foot and looked round the room. Two suitcases lay on the floor, their contents beside them in a jumbled heap. Drawers had been empty, pillows slashed, rugs pulled up, pictures pulled down. The killer hadn't missed a trick. From the completeness of the search, it was pretty obvious he hadn't found what he was looking for. I switched off the light, locked the door, and started running for the stairs at the end of the hall. There wasn't time to wait for the elevator. The gun was still in my hand when I opened the door of the girl's room on the sixth floor. She was gone. An overturned chair lay on the floor near the door, the broken cocktail glass beside it. Everything else looked in order. Slipping the safety on my gun, I turned once more toward the hall, and I stopped. Something moved behind the closed door of the bathroom. I yanked it open and stepped back. The girl lay on her side on the floor, her hands and feet tied with stockings. A 
box bag stuffed in her mouth served as a gag. Now, just a second. I'll have these off. Uh, there we are. We've got to stop him. He hasn't found the papers yet. Quick. I'll my hands. Right, right. What happened? Well, only a minute or two after you left, I, I was standing near the door holding this glass against the wall listening. Suddenly I heard someone coming at the door of the room next door. I opened my door as quietly as possible to look out in the hall, but he must have heard me. He was standing right in front of me. Got in his hand. You didn't scream? No, no. He hit me, and that's all I remember until just a second ago. I don't know how long I was unconscious. It wasn't long. I wasn't gone more than 15 or 20 minutes. But that's long enough. He hadn't found the paper, and that's why he came back. The clerk, what about him? Dead. Just before I got there. The clerk didn't have it after all. It was hidden in the room next door. Walker's had time by now. He must have found it. Don't be so sure. Unless Walker is smarter than I think he is, the formula is still there. But where? I don't know yet. But we're going to have another good look at that room. He certainly went through everything. Yeah. It's the same in the clerk's room. But he must have found the formula. Why, why, there's no place else to look. He's even slashed the mattress open. Yeah, he opened it twice. He went through the pillows twice, too. If he had found it, why go through the whole room twice? Oh, I see what you mean. Then you think it's still here? I'm sure of it. But there's nowhere else to look. It's impossible that a piece of paper with that much writing on it could still be hidden in here. No, you're wrong. I, I don't understand. Well, look at it this way. The easiest way in the world to fool people is by what you might call misplaced attention. Then you mean there isn't any paper in this room? Exactly. I told you that clerk was smart. He knew if anyone searched for the formula, they'd naturally look for a piece of paper. That's what I mean by misdirected attention. The formula's here, all right, but it isn't on a hidden piece of paper in an envelope. That's why Walker and I didn't find it. You mean it, it might be written on the ceiling or... Nothing is true to that. You know where it is? I think so. Oh, where? Look at the walls. Doesn't anything strike you as off-key? The wall? You mean... Sure. I mean, the wallpaper. Here. Look here at this strip of paper behind the bed. See this figure of a horse? Yes. The horse is split in two where the paper joins. The hind part is nearly an inch lower than the front part. Near the ceiling, the wall shows through. No paper hanger would be that careless. And there is a paper after all, and it's behind the wallpaper. No, there isn't a paper behind there. That would show, make a bulge. Unless I miss my guess, the formula is written directly on the back of that strip of wallpaper. Quick, let's see. No, not so fast. It might tear. Here, I got a knife. There, look. Yes, yes, it is. It's the formula. Quickly, let me have it. Thank you, my friend. Walker. Oh, so you came back. Put your hands over your heads quickly. How did you get... I'm better at opening doors quietly than you are, my dear. So you really were an agent. And I, like a stupid fool, thought you were merely the guest in the next room. I should have killed you then. You've done too much killing already, Walker. Or whatever your real name is. I have more to do, too. Very clever of you to find the formula. 
You would make an excellent man for this type of work. I like my type better. Keep your hands up high. Now turn around slowly, facing me. That's good. Now, you, fat man, drop the formula on the floor in front of you, but keep your hands high. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now I will just pick it up. Now you will get one. Yeah. Not fast enough, son. There's an awful chance kicking him when he bent over. He might still have been able to shoot. This life has made up for chances, sweetheart. Besides, I used to drop kick for my college football team. Is he, is he dead? Yeah. That shot. Somebody must have heard it. Quick, we've got to get out of here. Give me the phone. Uh, not so fast. I think I'll just hang on to this piece of wallpaper. But, but you can't. Give it to me. I've got to return it. Don't you see? Please, quickly, before somebody comes. I'd be a fool to give you this paper. How do I know who you really are? All I've got is your word that you're an American agent. But I am, I tell you. I am. Maybe. But I'm keeping the paper. No, please. It's important. It's got to get back to Washington. I still like your face, baby. Nice and looks honest. There's a fire escape back there by the window. Somebody from the lobby will be here in a minute. I'll see that the formula gets to Washington and stays out of this business. But but these murders, these bodies. Leave that to me. If you're on the level, you'll be okay. You can keep on working and nobody will ever know who you are. If you're not on the level. Well, that's the chance I take for liking your face. Besides, you haven't killed anybody. I'll get going. All right. All right. But please see that the formula gets to Washington. Now, here's an address. Just take it there. That's all. You understand? Yeah, I understand, sweetheart. Move. Goodbye. Thank you. Forget it, baby. Operator. Get me Sergeant O'Hara at police headquarters, quick. Sergeant O'Hara speaking. Run, you know, huh? I'm in room 610 of the Parker Hotel with a dead man. What, again? He's a murderer. You better hurry, O'Hara. Just a second, just a second. Hurry, O'Hara, this is important. Maybe hard to explain the others, too. What others? The other two dead bodies hid here in the hotel. What? You must be crazy. I can't help you get out of here. Yes, you can, O'Hara. You've got to. The fate of a nation is riding again. Are you drunk? What's that mean? It means that I've got to make a very important trip to Washington, O'Hara. A very, very important trip. American Broadcasting Company brings you another adventure of Dashiell Hammett's exciting new character, The Fat Man. Next week's story is called The Dancing Tombstone. And as The Fat Man says, A ghost makes its rounds silently, and a corpse is quiet forever. But mystery screams in a graveyard when the silence is broken by the dancing tombstone. 
Tonight's adventure of the Fat Man, played by J. Scott Smart, was produced by Charles Powers. Music is under the direction of Bernard Green. Sergeant O'Hara is played by Ed Begley. And this is Gene Kirby speaking. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. Some pretty interesting cloak and dagger for our hero. Uh, even if the uh, conclusion seemed a little bit rushed, but uh, they packed a lot of suspense and mystery and twists and turns into this uh, episode. Well, we turn now to listener comments and feedbacks. And uh, Melissa uh, comments that... Uh, uh, and we've got several on the Fat Man. He's kind of becoming one of those uh, characters like Nero Wolf and Pat Novak for Hire, that even though they run a short time, it make a big impression on the audience. Uh, Melissa uh, comments that uh, J. Scott Smart looks eerily like John Candy. I can kind of see the resemblance. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Chris says, I'm very glad to get to listen to the show. Never knew it existed. Thank you for bringing it back. And Kyle says, I really love the Fat Man. I agree with you about the strong tuba and the theme song. It lends a ponderous weight that is so appropriate for the leading man of this great show. Incidentally, on the audio quality, do you happen to know if there's an effort to restore these classic shows to a better quality? It would be a shame to allow these wonderful shows to deteriorate, deteriorate any further to the obscurity of time. Thanks, and keep doing an excellent job. I love the uh, podcast. Well, thanks so much for the question, Kyle. I'm glad you're enjoying the uh, show. Uh, I do not believe that there is a formal uh, effort uh, t- with this particular show. Uh, Radio uh, Spirits... Uh, which is the uh, maker of a lot of restored audio dramas. They have, I'm not a huge fan of some of their uh, practices, but they do have a couple of Fat Man sets uh, that they have issued. One is a combination of the Fat Man and the Thin Man, and the other combines American and Australian Fat Man episodes. Uh, between those two sets... They have a grand total of seven uh, episodes. So I imagine those are will, will be better quality, and that tends to be the big advantage that Radio Spirits and Radio Archives uh, offers: is that they have better quality uh, sounds uh, in many cases than what you will be able to download on MP3. Well, thanks so much for the question, and that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Let George Do It, and then on Wednesday, or next Tuesday, will be another episode of The Fat Man. Send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives. Uh, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>